Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. Oh, yeah. Canceled too soon. A podcast. Podcast. About TV. Television shows. That were. That were very, very short. Canceled too soon. One season or less. Oh, yeah. This week on Canceled Too Soon. Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. He's weird. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for Crave Online at Blumhouse.com. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Who are you? Uh, I'm Not just, you, audience. Whitney. I'm, I'm just some guy wandering off the street. I'm Hobo Zero. <laughs> I am Hobo Zero. Sounds, I am, like, sounds uh, like an episode of Sam and Max Freelance. <laughs> My name is Whitney Seibold. I, I also contribute to Crave Online, uh, Blumhouse.com, and with you, Sir William, I'm the co-host of the B-Movies Podcast. From Whence We Hail. From Whence We Hail. Uh, and this week on the B-Movies Podcast, we're doing a very special uh, episode highlighting a pilot episode of a television series that never went anywhere. But now it suddenly <laughs> well, seems relevant uh, more so than it ever used to because in 1978, on September 6th, on the CBS channel, they aired a TV movie based on the Marvel comic book character Doctor Strange. It was supposed to be a pilot for a TV series. It never went anywhere. Was it canceled well, too soon? We'll find out. Um, there's, uh, from what I understand, a feature film uh, based on that same character currently playing in theaters that some people might have seen. You don't say. Yeah, so uh, it's kind huh. of relevant. It's nice that you were, were to bring this up. It's what are of, the odds? Kind of a coincidence. What a coinky dink. Uh, this was the, I think, fourth or fifth attempt, maybe, to bring uh, Marvel superhero characters to the small screen back in the 1970s. Yeah, there was this uh, weird the, surge in the 1970s where, you know, Superman the movie was, was actually still on the horizon, mm-hmm. but comic books were starting to... Uh, in the 1960s, well, we had Batman the series, mm-hmm. and that was a big, big hit. But in the 70s, we got uh, The Incredible Hulk, mm-hmm. which is Marvel. We got Wonder Woman, which was DC. And those two shows were big monster hits. Uh, and then uh, they tried doing a whole bunch of other ones, and none of them made it. There I, were, yeah, uh, The Incredible Hulk was the only one that was at all successful. Well, Wonder Woman was successful for a while. Well, and, and Wonder Woman. Incredible Hulk, no pun and, intended, and then, was a monster success. Uh, and, then, and then in like the early 80s, they started moving into animation. And those, those yeah. weren't hits, but some people remember them. Them. Well, some people remember the ones from the 80s, like Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Yeah. Uh, but in the 1970s, we had some cartoons as well. One of the ones I really want to do is the uh, on this show is the animated series about a kid who had two rings. And when he shoved his rings together mm-hmm. and said, thing ring, do your thing, he became a rocky superhero uh, from Brooklyn. With a, like, uh, it's chomping on a cigar. Like, that was his whole thing. He was the thing. It was a weird I, show. Um, um, which, which isn't 
from what I understand, how the thing operates. No, it in, is in, how in, the thing in any, any of the uh, iterations that of that works. character in any movies and or comics. We, we've uh, all moved on from that. But consider, we had, uh, consider yeah. though, that you know a lot of these characters, uh, Marvel characters specifically, were invented uh, in the early '60s. Yeah. Uh, most of them, 1963 specifically. <laughs> that was just sort of a banner year for all of these characters. A Bruce uh, Banner year, indeed. I think the Hulk was also invented in 1963. Ah, maybe maybe earlier. But uh, I haven't looked that up. I'm going to look yeah, it up now while you first talk. First appearance of the Hulk. But uh, you know, fast forward 15 years, a new generation probably grew up reading those comics. So they decided, hey, I like these characters. Let's see what we can do. And put them onto television. Uh, feature films weren't really leaning in that direction yet. Uh, Star Wars hadn't happened yet. 1962. So 62. All right. Close. Close. Uh, big sort of effects-based blockbusters weren't yet a thing. They they didn't yeah. become a thing until '77, until yeah. Star Wars. Star really. Wars, and then and then um, the the idea of making more geeky stuff was indeed getting in people's heads, but they hadn't figured out how to do it yet. Mm. The Incredible Hulk, uh, if you look at that series, which is a huge, again, very popular, very influential series, mm. uh, but it also fit in with a, a pre-existing mold. There was a whole genre, and we've discussed it on the show, the, the renegade thing. Yeah, where someone is on the run from the cops. The Fugitive was the er example of this for a lot of people. Uh, they're on the run. They travel from town to town, getting in adventures, but they always have to hide their identity. There's always an mm. element of danger. They're not just doing it out of the good of their own heart. They're they're bounding from adventure to venture. Mm. And uh, in the case of the Incredible Hulk, it was it was a clever idea because on top of that, he was also Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. And every once in a while, he'd Hulk out, built a bunch of bunch of people, and it was cool. Uh, if they changed him from Bruce Banner to David Banner, he's played by Bill Bixby. And yeah. uh, when he turned into the Hulk, they got wrestler slash bodybuilder. Ferrigno so uh, started as bodybuilder, eventually was a wrestler. Uh, and, and funnily enough, uh, mm. the voice of the Hulk when he was hulked out mm. on that uh, on that show was Ted Cassidy, the voice of Lurch, who nice. also has uh, makes an appearance in the Doctor Strange TV movie we're about to review. Oh, that was Ted Cassidy. Yeah, it's Balzaroth. Nice, the, okay. the demon. Nice. nice, um, nice. So Hulk made sense. Wonder Woman made kind of sense. It was it, they they had her undercover as some guy's secretary, and it was kind of subversive because she was always being oppressed, even though she was always the hero mm. and the one actually doing all the work. And that was that was a very and, effective thing. But when they tried they tried to do it for Captain America, and let me tell you something: we got to do those Captain America movies sometime. <laughs> they, they made two of those bad boys, and they are awful. Mm. It's just. Captain America is is uh, there's a guy he's the the son of the actual Captain America and now he's taking on his dad's costume and riding his shitty motorcycle and shagging wagon around America <laughs> and just sort of punching guys that's, who are trying to rapidly age people in Portland. That, that's it's the, that's the next uh, Kevin Feige Captain America is Captain Captain America's shagging wagon. It's there you just go. They, they scaled it back a little bit. Fewer characters. It's going to be he, he and Bucky dri- driving around Real like in, in America in a van trying that's to trying to pick say. up. Chicks. And then they then they get drunk and make out. That's what we all that, want to say. You know what? I would love that. Everyone should love those the hell out of real, real hard. Uh, and they also did, uh, and we'll do this one at some point as well. I think uh, a couple of TV movies. Uh, of Spider-Man, live mm. action and movies based on Spider-Man, and th- those, those they weren't, weren't terrible. And those ones weren't intended to be series; those were movies. Uh, I think those were the idea enclosed. was that if they were popular enough, they would have gone to series. But they weren't produced as pilots. Is my point? They, they were, were produced, produced as standalone products. They're kind of produced as standalone product. They were released theatrically in Europe. Those movies in particular. Mm. Uh, and the first one, I'll just give you a quick rundown right now. 
it's it's weird because it burns through Spider-Man's origin real fast, but it skips the Uncle Ben bit. It has no yeah. interest in pathos. <laughs> he just gets powers and decides to put on tights and fight people. Mm. And then he ends up fighting uh, a group of people who are hypnotizing self-help enthusiasts and getting them to commit suicide. That's very 70s. It's very yeah. Spider-Man. So when it came time to do other Marvel characters, I mean, what, they're not going to do Ghost Rider. I know they're doing Ghost Rider on TV now, but that would have been impossible well, to do. The, the special effects are, w- wouldn't have worked. Yeah. And, uh, like, you could have done Ghost Rider, but it, he would have just looked like like Renegade. He wouldn't have had the, the flaming skull head. Right. And, so uh, you're going with low-budget mm. TV uh, uh, production. Okay, you don't have much money. It's going to be very localized. You can only do a couple of superhero things per episode. Mm. They decided Doctor Strange yeah, he's is a, a terrible he's, idea. He's a doctor who is who goes undercover as a, a magical sorcerer dude. No, he doesn't go undercover as a magical sorcerer dude. He's a doctor who is also a magical sorcerer. Okay. He's not pretending to be a magical sorcerer but dude, he, infiltrating but a secret society of sorcerers. I, I got Although the, that's a good idea. I got the impression that by the end of the episode, he was still, still working as a doctor and would also do sorcerer things. That's the implication as well. I think the idea was he was going to have a double life yeah, so as do- a doctor. Doctor by and, day, sorcerer by night. Yeah, which... That's fine. That's fine. Like I remember when uh, they finally announced Daredevil as a TV series, and I was like, "How did they not do that sooner?" That's one of the like the three jobs everyone <laughs> likes in, in, in movies. You want to be a cop, uh-huh. you want to be a lawyer, or you want to be a doctor. There's always something interesting happening every day on those jobs. There's so many damn. Yeah. And, and this so, one, and so this was add yeah. superhero to that. It makes sense. Uh, doctor shows were, were, I guess, they weren't as big as they were like. In the ER, Chicago Hope era, at this point, but but we still had a lot we, of doctor there were, there shows. We always had shows. Doctor there was shows. Gen- General Hospital and Doctor Kildare, and you know, we, yeah. we had there's a history of them. So uh, yeah, I guess th- this was more the era of cop shows, though. This was Manix, Beretta, etc. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah. we I, talked I, about I, that when we talked when we re- uh, reviewed Look Well. Yeah, yeah, on this about series. sort of that that era of cop shows. So it, it was tapping into the the hip trends at the time. Mm-hmm. And One of those uh, hip trends was a psychotherapy because unlike the comics and mm. the more recent movie in which Doctor Strange is a surgeon, mm. uh, this Doctor Strange is a psychologist. Yes. And I don't know why they bothered with that. It really doesn't seem terribly important, does uh, it? Psychiatry... And you see this in TV movie, all t- a lot of TV, TV movies from the time, mm-hmm. uh, was really sort of gaining a foothold in the popular culture. Now, yeah. therapy has been around as long as Freud, but uh, psychotherapy as this sort of pop cure for the modern neurosis really came into its own as late as the 1970s. And yeah. there was this phenomenon the, the, where, on there was, TV. where there wasn't a stigma about it. Right. The, it was, was actually hip. It was cool to be in psychotherapy. Uh, maybe Sybil had something to do with this, but mm. uh, there was this uh, trend within TV shows, uh, and especially TV movies, where somebody would have some sort of psychological problem, or they would have some sort of neurosis that we hadn't seen on TV before, or they were killers, or they were yeah. prostitutes, or they were nymphomaniacs, whatever it was. Yeah. Not to imply that being a prostitute is, is a... a Psychosis, it's but not. Uh, yeah, uh, but it's a, it's a good job <laughs> if you can get it. Yeah, uh, it's a good, it's but, a good uh, gig. Th- there were all these sort of alarmist TV shows that had these sort of 
uh, neurosis of the week. And at yeah. the very end of all of these shows, a new character would be introduced. Mm-hmm. The psychotherapist would come in, and they'd kind of analyze the people out of their problem. And it was usually and pretty this, quick, which is and, actually bullshit. And it was really quick, and yeah. they would also give you exposition dumps. They would turn to the supporting characters, and they'd explain everything, and here's why they behave the way they do, and here's what we need to do to get our, on the path to recovery. This was a really, really common trope, this heroic yeah. psychotherapist. So it makes sense to turn a surgeon, not necessarily hip at the time, into a psychotherapist, because that was hip at the but time. But what does it have to do with magic? Not a damn thing. Not a damn thing. Like that's it the, was just it TV nece- trends. It doesn't necessarily... Okay, if he was an ER doctor, mm. that would make a lot of sense, because people would come in, they'd just been in an accident or something incredibly dramatic happened, mm. and he would investigate his Doctor Strange and find out there was something supernatural well, about it. I can see where that would go as a series. Mm. As a psychologist, not so much. Oh, I, I guess I kind of see it, and they do explore it a little bit, because uh, Doctor Strange has to confront uh, like physical manifested evil whereas previously he considered evil to be a a construct of the brain Mm. so there's a little bit of a thematic through line it's it's mentioned in one scene anyway the plot of uh, oh let's talk about the cast actually real fast before we get started Uh, Uh, Doctor Strange stars an actor uh, who most people don't don't remember uh, he mm-hmm. wasn't huge. Uh, Peter Hooten. Who is like the, the super handsome gay Steve Gutenberg. He, he was, in fact, gay in real life. He was in a mm. relationship, uh, ongoing relationship for many years with uh, poet James Merrill mm. uh, before James Merrill's death. Um, and Peter Hooten, uh, he was also an orca. He was in the original <laughs> 1978 movie Inglorious Bastards, which... Quentin Tarantino did not remake, but he did steal the name. Mm. And actually, that movie's very fun. <laughs> uh, Peter Hooten uh, looks. And acts his like his performance style, mm. John Holmes. So, uh, he look at, uh, he's got that fro. He's, he's got, got the, the mustache. He's got the angles. I, the long I think face. that was ju- that was just a hip look at the time. But mm. yeah, there's there is. <laughs> you're it, right. There it is looks a like you're watching John the 1970s porno version of Doctor Strange. It just uh, never and, gets going. You know, it. it I, I wouldn't have been surprised just <laughs> if, if there was a scene where he just started to disrobe. <laughs> Um, the villain of the piece, Morgan Le Fay, uh, who you may recall from Arthurian uh, literature, mm. you know she was the, a, they the, play Helen Mirren caliber. She's the a figure. The character of Morgan Le Fay goes back as early as I think, a, like around AD eleven hundred. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was popularized in in Lamar d'Arthur and, and other yeah. Arthurian uh, literature. Morgan Le Fay is played by Jessica Walter, who contemporary mm. audiences probably know best from Arrested Development mm. and the voice of the mom on Archer. Uh, she was also the sexy femme fatale in Clint Eastwood's thriller Play Misty for me. Uh, so which she's have, probably the biggest seen. actor. I do want to. I, I do want to see Play Misty for yeah. me at some point. Um, yeah. No, so she was, I guess, kind of the biggest deal of the the cast. Oh, she is now. Anyway, it's hard to say exactly uh, where no. everyone was at without but, actually having been there. I guess we'll get into the plot in yeah, a second. Uh, we'll but, get into yeah. the plot in a second. Uh, Clea, uh, who is Doctor Strange, is love interest in this movie, not so much in the new movie. It's played by uh, Anne Marie Martin, who you may recall from the television series Sledgehammer. Sledgehammer and, and oh, the man. slasher movie Prom Night. Oh, Sledgehammer! Uh, did you watch Sledgehammer? When you were a kid, I, I it was like, like nineteen eighty six, where it had a football star. It was sort yeah. of like a spoof of Dirty Harry. Nice, but as kids, we didn't understand that. We just saw it as this big goofy cop show. It's my understanding that American Dad took a lot of its cues from Sledgehammer. Uh, I don't doubt it. Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind that, that Seth MacFarlane was obsessed with Sledgehammer. Uh, the character of Wong, mm-hmm. uh, played by Benedict Wong in the new film, uh, it was played by character actor Clyde Kusatsu, who you may remember from everything. Every single damn He's thing. He's been in every movie, <laughs> and you haven't known his name until mm-hmm. now. Look up the actor 
Clyde Kusatsu, mm. and you're gonna go, oh yeah. Mm. Okay. Uh, also, uh, the current Sorcerer Supreme, uh, who will eventually bestow the mantle uh-huh. to Doctor Stephen Strange, uh, and a, a character named Lindmer for some reason, mm-hmm. uh, is played by Sir John Mills, uh, who got an Oscar for Ryan's daughter and is also Haley Mills' father. Yep, and uh, lived to the age of eighty or ninety-seven. So he good run, good, good long run for that. Good guy. long run. God respect that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's actually got a pretty good pedigree. This movie, there's a lot of cool and, people and in it here. And it was what I yeah. like. It was produced by. Uh, uh, Gregory Hoblet. Gre- Greg Hoblet, yeah, yeah. Who, who directed a few films of note. Uh, he directed Fallen, which, which is a uh, great supernatural thriller. Uh, it, it's a really, really good movie. I, I've, <laughs> it's really cool. I've rewatched it a couple yeah. times, like over the years, and it, it's it improves. It's really yeah. It, it, it stays. did Primal Fear, which also holds up really well as Ed Norton's first performance, uh, mm. and it was really, really cool. Um, also, it was uh, written and directed by Philip Daguerre. Uh, who all before his before he passed away uh, did episodes of JAG and NCIS, mm-hmm. but he also did a bunch of uh, shows that qualified for cancel too soon, such as <laughs> Whiz Kids, <laughs> and which we are definitely doing, uh-huh. and Air America the series. Oh my god! Oh gosh, I had forgotten about. Remember that that, that existed? Yeah, uh, wow. I mean, uh, people don't even remember the movie anymore. The movie's <laughs> yeah. gone. Like yeah. it was this weird movie where Robert Downey Jr. and Mel Gibson were like helicopter pilots. No, they, they were. Uh, they? No, they were. They were wartime, uh, like large. Like freight, de- de- freight delivery, yeah. freight delivery pilots, and, and yeah. they of course discover they were just yeah. accidentally delivering drugs. Yeah, it was, it was, they would, and it was yeah. an action adventure. It was a modest hit when it came out, in like eighty nine or something. But I guess no one talks about it anymore. It's just gone. nobody cares. Um, anyway, so tell people about uh, the okay. plot of Doctor Strange, so, uh, the TV movie. We we open with Morgan Le Fay, who is living in the fourth dimension. Uh, in her sexy gown outfit, and she's uh, chat- talking to Cthulhu. Ch- yeah, ch- ch- chatting with this giant talking mountain thing uh, achieved through stop motion. It looks really kind of creepy. It actually looks pretty and, cool. Like the, the supernatural stuff is not as prevalent as you'd like, but it looks pretty cool in this movie. It, well, it, it taps into a lot of the imagery that was going on in the comics at the time. And if you have read any of the com- any comics from the 1970s, yeah. it is bonkers. Like, all of the cosmic, weird 2001 A Space Odyssey stuff mm-hmm. that they were folding into comics at the time. Yeah. Like, uh, clearly a lot of those artists and writers were doing acid. And st- uh, uh, Steve Ditko, actually, was uh, who created Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. uh, with a little help, apparently, from Stanley, but it was mostly Steve Ditko. Um, he was actually a, a very uh, staunch Randian. Uh, okay. And he did not believe in drug use. So, mm. And when he apparently, when he found out that people were interpreting Doctor Strange's many uh, bizarre extra dimensional escapades, and mm. there were like, and it is really trippy hallucinogenic imagery uh, as drug imagery. Apparently, he was he was very disappointed. Uh. Like that was not what he wanted at all. <laughs> off, well, so. you know what? It, it was the 1970s. It was the the ethos of the time. It's kind of what you get no, from. I it. think we were on acid anyway. So oh, yeah, if yeah. it was just like. Ooh, it's like you looked at Doctor Strange and it got you back to normal. <laughs> you look at the cat and you like go to another dimension. You look at Doctor Strange and all of a sudden it's the like, cat. It evens you out. Yeah, it's really it's just two negatives. But multiply, uh, make a positive. She she wants to invade Earth and uh, there well, is no, a sorcerer. That's not quite right. That's not quite right. I don't want to mm. invade her. The idea is that the Sorcerer Supreme has been protecting Earth mm. from evil forces. Yeah, the old Sorcerer Supreme Lindmer uh, is uh, dying. 
and yeah, he's he got won't... to pass on the mantle, and this is their moment. The old Sorcerer Supreme is weak, the new Sorcerer Supreme has not yet been chosen, uh, so this is the perfect time to strike. They're either mm-hmm. going to kill the Sorcerer Supreme before he can find an apprentice, or kill the apprentice before mm-hmm. he is powerful enough to fight back. The apprentice is none other than Dr. Stephen Strange. Yeah. And uh, he's he's a, a ladies' man. Mm-hmm. Man's as, man, man uh, about town. Man, man about, he's, he gads about, he's a charming charmer. Mm-hmm. He's got his big old porn stash, and he charms everybody with it. And charms the nurse, charms There's, this like middle aged lady who's mm-hmm. drinking herself to death. Yeah, and it's, he, he uh, lets her stay with him. Well, in the hospital. In the hospital. In the hospital. He like has her stay There's, overnight, and the, and the people who run the hospital are like, "Why are you having her stay overnight? Because if she went home, she'd drink herself to death." Mm-hmm. Well, we need the bed. No, you didn't. <laughs> well, we're look, we're we're, we're bad we're, doctors. That's I, basically our subplot. We're bad doctors. There's a, you're good doctor. There's a nurse character who was clearly meant to be explored more deeply in <laughs> subsequent episodes of a series that never started, uh, but she's the good just one sort of a bad one. The, because there's like a mean nurse ratchet type, no, and then no, there's like a, the, there's a the, cute love interest the, the type. The pretty love interest type. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, then there's a, the nurse ratchet who is just going to make crack wise, I think. So we're, we meet him, uh, and he's he's a ladies' man. He's charming, but he's also really good at his job. He really cares about his patients. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the the Sorcerer Supreme, who knows Stephen Strange is the one who needs to take up the mantle, hadn't thought to bring it up before, mm-hmm. uh, decides uh, to track him down. Uh, well, ev- and th- evidently and this the takes way us. A, by the way, at this point, we're about forty minutes into this. <laughs> this, thing, this thing crawls. Um, this is there, one of the most boring we, we TV learn, movies I've ever seen. Oh God, and I've seen some boring TV oh movies. God. We we learn eventually by the end of this movie that. Uh, the way to become Sorcerer Supreme, I guess, is to get your powers first and then learn how to use them. Because well, it's, I guess it's if you don't like have powers, you don't know how to use them. Like, you, you, yeah, you can't teach somebody to use powers unless they have them, and yeah. you have to make sure somebody's got the power to protect mm-hmm. from uh, the the yeah. evil force. And they describe it as you're like a baby with a loaded gun. Well, yeah. Who the hell thought that was a good idea? <laughs> this is a terrible system. This doesn't really work out so well. It's a good thing you're responsible. <laughs> Of course, he, uh, at the very end of the episode, he does something just for funsies anyway, so we realize we're off to a bad start. Yeah, so so Morgan Le Fay is on Earth, and mm. she's been talking a big game, like, I have been plotting my revenge against the Ancient One for, for millennia. And she goes to Earth, and then she walks to the park, and then she looks at this young woman who will be important, Clea, mm. who will become Dark Strange's love interest, hypnotizes her. Mm. Has her walk up uh, to the ancient one and just shoves him off like a small bridge, yeah, like like, like an, over, like an overpass, and he, yeah. he does, he's, he's he's not like, even he's, hurt that badly. He walks he's it hurt, off. Yeah. He walks it off. He goes home. He's like kind of rubbing his shoulder. Wow, somebody pushed me off a bridge today. It's the evil one. And you're watching this, and you're just like, holy shit, Morgan! You you're playing this for a thousand years. And all you can think and to do is push him off an no, overpass. Have someone else do it, and then she like walks up to him. He's like, is he dead? Fucking do it yourself. So, you are a sorceress. Mm. You have well, one I, job. I, I, I got the impression that when we saw Morgan Le Fay on Earth, it was sort of like a projection of her because she was also back in the fourth dimension. Like so, so she was. I thought like, she was just flitting back and forth. Oh, I, I got the impression that she wasn't like really physically there. She can was we, just I think we can both agree it's, it ain't clear. It's not clear. That's okay. for sure. But she does, which is why she needed like an agent mm-hmm. to do that for her. Anyway, but so anyway, she, uh, she gets Clea to do this. Thing. Clea begins having nightmares about being possessed because, because she she's was possessed, and so she goes to Doctor Strange, and Doctor Strange kind of gets. 
It's weird. There's actually like um, this Nightmare on Elm Street quality where yeah. she's afraid to go to sleep because in her sleep, Morgan Le Fay still comes to her. So, he, so he's, he's, he's looking after sleep, her and, and he actually is actually okay with her not he's sleeping trying, the doctor's trying to make her He's trying to force the other doctors not to give her sedatives. The, when does the sorcery start? Please source something. Oh my anything. god, we're, uh, we are five hours into the movie <laughs> at this point. We are five no, hours into this 90-minute movie. We've had a few moments where... The Sorcerer Supreme has like waved his hands, and there's some like practical animation effects of like glowing yellow, which just a smidge. I think looks neat. I I was raised on that yeah. sort of that low level of special effects. This so movie it came out kind of has a nostalgic vibe for me. This movie came out uh, 1978. That's one year after Star Wars, and you can tell because the, the ancient one literally does a Jedi mind trick on somebody. <laughs> that, like well, he yeah, goes yeah. to the to the offices and to the hospital. It's like I'd like to see Doctor Stephen Strange. Well, I'm sorry, he's not seeing anyone right now. It's a very busy day. He just waves his hand. Uh, Republican credits will do fine. And they're just mm. like, oh, well, sorry. Yes, Republican credits will be fine. And mm. these aren't the droids you're looking for. And I would love to buy more Star Wars merchandise. <laughs> anyway, he does see Stephen Strange. Yeah, there's and a says, long conversation. Long conversation. He explains, hey, you know, this is this is the nature of things. There's evil Ted Cassidy voice mm-hmm. dudes in other dimensions who want to wreak havoc. And there's an Morgan Le Fay around. Yeah. And, and uh, your, 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 your incredibly and, gaudy ring means you're the chosen one. Yeah. That you've been wearing for no reason this whole time. It's like they, 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 they never really explained how he got it or what it I is. Think it was, I think um, it was bequeathed to him from his father or something, but it's kind of vague. I, I, there was something about his father. His I remember father that was his like father a, was, was a magician or something, and he knew him. Yeah, like he he and Sorcerer Supreme were were good buddies. Yeah, and uh, so he says, "Hey, uh, why don't you go into another dimension and and do some fun stuff?" So he goes into another dimension. Uh, <laughs> he goes into another dimension to and rescue. It's all, no, he goes into another dimension uh, to just, rescue Clea. Right. Well, Clea, who's, I think, like it's her astral. There, there, all, all of the action in the other dimension, and there's a lot of talk of astral bodies. Mm-hmm. So there's two. Which you did so, see in the movie, the new one. Yeah, yeah. And in in the new one, the astral bodies are depicted as sort of like floating ghosts who walk around in the same room. Yeah, like in, in that movie, Ghost. Yeah, in in the comics and in this TV movie, the astral bodies exist on a different plane. So in order to do a lot of the battles with all of these magical beings, they kind of meditate and vanish into an alternate dimension where all of the most of the action takes place. It looks like a psychedelic Doctor Who set. On one hand, mm. very colorful. On the other hand, very cheap. Really cheap looking. Yeah, yeah you, can, you can tell they're straining against their budget. So, so uh, he goes into this other dimension to look for Clea, and he's told by the Ancient One, who doesn't go for some reason... Uh, when you're in there, if you run into any demons, and there are probably some demons in there, mm. if you run into any demons, say just spell, say this. Yeah. The spell is, in the name of Rael, scourge of demons, I command you, be gone. Mm. Now, we meet a demon named Balzaroth, again, played by De- uh, Ted Cassidy, or at least it's the voice of him anyway. Uh, and Ted Cassidy, like, you know, runs up, ah, ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. He looks like the Red Knight from the Fisher King. Yeah, and, yeah. And he but, goes... But, but with a helmet that clearly doesn't fit the actor very well. Yeah. Like, he's turning his head in such a way that it's kind of clonking around on his skull. Poor guy. <laughs> and uh, so he's he's bounding about. Mm. And Dr. Strange says, in the name of Rael, Scourge of Demons, I command you, be gone. And he just runs, and it's just like... He, oh, you know Ryle? He actually, he actually like, kind oh, of you know says, says, like, oh, I would have next time I Universal hit Studios, you. ask for Babs. Like, that's what it was. <laughs> he runs away to Morgan Le Fay, and he's like, he spoke the name of power. Well, Ryle wasn't there. 
He didn't actually call his friend Ryle, and Ryle showed up, and was just like, dude, weak. Like, well, it just said, I happen to know Ryle. Look, I know this dude, and you, he's he's bad news. Like, he's bad news for you. So. I, my, my friend Ryle will, will not be happy with you. Mm. And he's just like, oh, shit, I apologize. Ryle's a serious business. Mm. And that's the action. And then he gets Clea, and he goes home, and you think it's over. And it might as well be, but it keeps going. It, it keeps going. It keeps going. And, and then there's, then there's, well, then there's the ritual where he's, he says, "Okay, now you're Sorcerer Supreme, so they have to transfer the power out of Sorcerer Supreme." Oh, but in, you're, but you're skipping. In, that's like the last thing that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're skipping all the way to the end. You're missing all this great stuff. Oh, am I? Because he, it's they, great. <laughs> he walks Clea home, and they flirt, mm. and they have a bit of a date, and then uh, uh, Morgan Le Fay comes back. Uh, because why not? And she like attacks the ancient one. And he's on the brink of death, and Doctor Strange has a really cool confrontation though, where they kind of fire animation at each other. Yeah, back in the seventies when it wasn't well, just like a cacophony of visual noise. It, it, it's kind of it, cute. I thought it looked kind of neat. I love it's in a TV in the seventies sort of way. They do this thing where like the ancient one lives in like just a building in New York, mm. and or or the Universal Sound Stage or wherever they are. The, you know that back lot. I, and, like, I was I was watching pieces of this with my wife, and uh, you know there's there's stock footage of from mm. like it's clearly not 1978. It's like from a few years previous of Times Square and of yeah. cars going by, and then we cut to a close up of Doctor Strange walking down a street, and it's clearly like the Fox lot. Yeah, and and my wife said, "Oh, hello, set." <laughs> it's like, clearly this fakey looking set. But the idea is, you know, you, you it's a normal building in New York, and then you walk inside, and it's supposed to look really cool. Mm. It looks like cardboard has been vaguely sculpted into rock shapes, and they just stuck paintings on it with push pins. To be, to be, it looks really cheap. It looks really cheap. I, I understand kind of the look they were going for. They wanted to look sort of going for. dark and cavernous and using lighting and whatever they had. They, they yeah. succeed. If, if I were to, if a high school were to stage a, like a stage production and mm-hmm. try to do as best they could with nothing but construction paper and lighting uh-huh. it would look like that uh-huh. and it, it would be kind of impressive okay but here's the deal here's the that, thing it's an a tv production not a high school stage production yeah. if this is here's the thing even if i would kill i would kill to see like from rushmore max fisher's like high school theater theater production stage of production Doctor of Doctor Strange. Strange. It would be badass. It would yeah. be so much more entertaining than this. You just <laughs> all the big plot points. There's no fat on any Max Fisher plays. It's really cool. <laughs> um, so he goes, so he has to agree basically to be Morgan's plaything. She admits to her Lovecraftian God that, uh, that she's oh, actually this, this just, was, this she was my, loves the touch of a man. This was my favorite bit. It's like, uh-huh. oh, why, why didn't you just kill this guy? And I think her, her actual line of dialogue was, well, you know, I'm a woman. <laughs> <laughs> And you're just like, dude, evil sorceress, but I'm a woman too. And and uh, Peter Hooten, clearly like a towering hunk of testosterone, (laughs) a a bashing rod of manliness, like a a truck of seduction. This man was. Clearly, the the one thing that could stop he was like so hot that that he could stop evil from infiltrating the world. Well, here, here's what I'm thinking. You know, you're Morgan Le Fay. You're mm. you're a hot woman, or at least you know, they they show that like she's actually been aging, but she's been using magic, mm. you know, to keep herself young. And, and that's one and, of the threats that demon holds over. Yeah. Is, I'm going to make you look your age. You're, you're stuck 
in this virtual boy dimension where like everything is red and black. <laughs> virtual boy dimension, okay. And it's just you and mm. Ted Cassidy in an ill-fitting helmet and Cthulhu. Mm. I'd be horny too. Like, I, so I kind of get it, I'm but they don't sell it two. very well. Yeah. They do not sell it well. It's, they in fact, they in fact said, it plays as like super sexist. It's like oh, it's super duper sexist. Uh, this this woman, all, all the only thing that can bring her down is the touch of a man. It would be one thing if they had tried to have it say like, "Listen, what if I keep can I can I defeat him, take his power, and keep him alive as my sexual plaything because I am such a badass." Mm. I, I want. I could I, buy that. I want the power dynamic, but. She doesn't. She doesn't. Like her at first, her ambition is power, but then after that, her ambition is oh, I just want a man. Oh, I just want. I just need to get hootened. Um, <laughs> I need some hootin'. I need a deep hootin'. Uh, <laughs> deep hootin'. I want deep hootin'. I, I we need to make t-shirts Taylor. for him that say <laughs> deep hootin'. Deep hootin'. <laughs> okay. Everybody, mm. whoever has Photoshop skills, pictures of, picture of Peter Hooten that says Deep Hooten in like the MST3K Deep Hurting font. Please. Please do that. Oh my God, I will buy that shirt. <laughs> oh my God, we have our first shirt. Deep Hooten. We need to start selling Deep Hooten TV shirt, t shirts. Oh, and, and, and Peter Hooten, we apologize, but we think it's cool, man. And and if if we could get some like really chintzy looking headshot from like around nineteen seventy, oh, there's, there's a couple of stills from like Doctor Strange that are around and look okay. Okay, you can just get that, yeah, or get I, get him today. I don't care either way. It's awesome. Um, anyway, he turns the tables on Morgan Le Fay, and he mm. rescues Claire, and her memory has been erased. So they have the exact same like first date again. Which is kind of weird and creepy. Oh and yeah, that was a little. It's like yeah. it's, it's creepy. I forgot like, about it, that it part. Plays, <laughs> it plays bad. It plays fucked up. Anyway, so I, both, I had so much trouble concentrating on this thing. It's it was, incredibly inert, yeah, isn't it? It's it's it's, really it's, it's so. It's not that it's hard to watch and that it's like unwatchable or badly made. It's just so lugubriously paced. Like this is a ninety minute. This is like a two part episode. This is the pilot. Yeah. It's, 90, it's ninety minutes of material that was meant to span two hours of TV. And it's padded within it's, an inch of its life. It's it's pad- like there's enough story in this for a, a one hour episode. Yeah, if you want to do like they, a forty minute pilot, there's a good forty minute pilot they, in here. If you cut out all the fat, they stretched it into a, an event for some reason. Even though they didn't have that much story, there wasn't a lot to go through with Doctor Strange. He was no. pretty simply established. No, it's basically look. Here's here's your fucking story. Uh, the ancient one is dying. Morgan Le Fay is here to kill the ancient one or kill his new apprentice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Claire gets involved in a thing. Doctor Strange finds her. Gets involved with the ancient one. They go to the fucking. Uh, Mystic Realm, and he comes back and he saves Claire. That's the end of the episode. You can save the second bit for another episode, but you have to add some more shit. Because mm. seriously, all the Doctor stuff, all of the just like them walking down the street, like it's fucking Southside with you. It's just like you are not that interesting. You're just boring people. There, there was like, well, and, and if you've seen like if you've watched old Rockford episodes, you know, the pace is slower than we're used to. That is uh, true. That is true. They are, so, they are so, slower so, shows. So to be fair, this this was just sort of the but watch the Wonder Woman, the time, watch the Incredible yeah. Hulk. They knew to fill it with new characters mm. and incident. Yeah, it was cheesy. Yeah, yeah and, it didn't necessarily in fact, work all the time, but stuff happened. I would like to apologize to Rockford for comparing Doctor Strange <laughs> to Rockford because Rockford is awesome. There's uh, some great shows in the '70s that hold up surprisingly well today. Mm. Yeah. Times have changed. Things are different. TV's faster paced. Storytelling has evolved. Changed. Some of the better, some of the worse. 
There's some really good shows out there. Mm. Uh, and this isn't one of them. <laughs> so the episode ends with Morgan Le Fay defeated, but she comes back and we see that like she well, actually she, she's, started. She's on Earth now as yeah. a real person, so that yeah. blows holes in my idea that she's a projection. So I So she she what she has done is she's actually started like uh she calls it the Le Fay method. It's like this new trend where mm-hmm. people come to her uh I don't know, which I guess she has a fucking building gazebo, something. She has some sort of business. Where you come in for some self-help shit. It's basically Scientology. It's a food truck, yeah. You come in for your Scientology screening or whatever, and she was going to unlock your inner power. And I think what the show was getting at, mm. and I think this was what they're hinting was going to be, like, the, here's what the show would be every week, uh-huh. would be someone goes to Morgan Le Fay's class, seminar. And, and, be- and becomes, session, like, a, a disciple of hers. Becomes a disciple or gets, like, some, like, ironic superpower or something. Like, if you ever watched Sailor Moon, like, every episode of Sailor Moon is someone in town has recently won a contest, and then they get superpowers related to that contest, and then they turn evil. Like, oh, uh, you're really, really good at that claw game at the arcade, and you can get any stuffed animal you want. Well, we're going to turn you into an arcade claw guy. Like, that's a real Sailor Moon episode I just described. That's a real thing. I don't believe you. That's a real fucking thing, and Mm. it was amazing. Or just like, you know, the gardener at uh, the park who's... Gardner's gonna get bulldozed Now he can control plants Like That was basically it And then someone would come in To Doctor Strange's office And say uh, Yeah I saw all these crazy plants And all the other doctors are like Well we need to lobotomize him And Doctor Strange's like No 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 I got this And then he would solve the plant mystery And defeat the arcade claw arm guy And have sex with Clea and then his, also his boyfriend, and then the show would be over, and they'd cut out one of those scenes. I don't know which one, but something <laughs> the censors the censors wouldn't approve of something back in the late nineteen seventies uh, for sure. Uh, yeah, uh, but like, and I think that was it. I think that was because the idea of the Dreadful Hulk again was David Banner goes to another town. There's a problem in the other town. The mm. there's drug dealers who are after money and a doll, or uh, the whole high school football team is on super steroids, and they're. <laughs> killing people <laughs> something that was the gimmick every week there'd be a new gimmick and I think that was what they were getting for Doctor Strange that was going to be the LeFay method yeah. it was like Morgan LeFay gave well, some superpowers every week Doctor Strange had to defeat them uh, and I'm, I'm glad that seems like a much more earthbound premise yeah I wish uh, they got into it faster I wish they had gotten to any sort of premise. They, they were so busy doing sort of origin story crap that we never really got to sort of settle into what the show was going to be until like the very few, like final few scenes yeah. where they said, okay, now you have superpowers and you're going to have to learn how to use them. Okay. Premise. We got it. Uh, yeah. It's about a doctor who became a sorcerer after a wacky adventure inherited this mantle that he doesn't really fully understand and has all of these powers that he doesn't know how to control yet. He's going to have to learn what they are and be able to do different things from episode to episode. And then it's over and we never got it again. It's, uh, <laughs> and then that was it. So we, we, we at least had, the, we had the, the taste of a, pre, of a premise yeah. and, and that's all we got. He walks past like a, a magician in the park, like some mm. guy who's like half mime, like he's not great or nothing. Just, and he's just street, doing street magician, doing yeah. card tricks, pulling, you know, handkerchiefs out of his sleeve. And he decides to play a funny little joke. Says, and he I'm does, gonna, the, the, the magician says, I'm going to produce a bouquet of flowers. And uh, he kind of like winks his eye a little bit. And he actually does some magic and turns the bouquet of flowers into a bird. Okay, but here's the th- here's why I hate that because then he like sort of but smirks and I, then that's it. I love that because that because that's that's, a, that's you, what I would do. <laughs> okay, I'd, I'd kind of play pranks on on stage magicians. I would do that too, and that's a funny idea. But it's such an awkward joke at the end because. 
pulling a bird out of your sleeve is a thing magicians actually do. <laughs> That's true. Like, like you want to do something like, that, like a, he could do, like, like he pulls an, an iguana an, out. Here's, like here's that an ar- would be weird. Here's you know? four armadillos. Where'd these come from? Yeah, like you want to do something that is actually kind of impossible mm. or dare I say strange. Like he's got superpowers and you're going to show being impish. And that's the last we'll ever see this version of Doctor Strange. Let him do something fun. Mm, something like, actually kind of wild. Yeah, something kind of crazy that makes you actually want to see what would happen next. Like, oh, mm. if he's going to be this irresponsible, maybe this would be kind of funny. Well, consider also that, you know, kids re- read comic books and they were reading Doctor Strange at the time, but yeah. kids weren't watching The Incredible Hulk. That was a show for adults. In More fact, so. I mean, kids were watching it, but it was catered to adults. Uh, in fact, there weren't a lot of uh, kids' shows in the 70s that weren't animated anyway. Yeah, not, uh, not that were on in the prime time? Not a lot. None. No, none, none, none in you, prime time. You could watch with your parents, but it was catering towards your parents. Like said, the, the idea of shows catering towards kids was still... Not common in it was, mainstream and private. It was time. not common and it was illegal. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it was illegal to market directly to kids. So w- there was plenty of children's programming in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sid and Murdy Croft were doing it. But, yeah, but it was, uh, again, it was kid stuff in was, the morning was, or, in the, was, or in the late afternoon right after school. And it, it was also, if you squinted a little bit, okay for adults, especially when you look at the Croft stuff. It was more sophisticated than your Howdy Doody and your, your Kukla Friend and Ollie from the 50s. Okay, so, yeah, but it's in this middle spot where yeah, it's like yeah, the so, Howdy Doody stuff was really, really, it wasn't kid friendly, it was child friendly. Mm. And then we started getting stuff in the 70s that was a little bit more surreal and sometimes mm. and trying to be a little bit more broadly entertaining, but it was still obviously meant just for kids. Yeah, but and it, it wasn't it until was, the 80s and mm. even more so really until the 90s that they really grew up enough that like anyone could enjoy kids programming with any well, but, sort of regularity. Well, my, my point, the point I was going to make though, Sorry. is that it wasn't until the eighties that we had ki- like such powerfully kid specific programming mm. that, uh, the market was started gearing itself more toward exactly toward a, a smaller segment of child's uh, entertainment. Yeah. And so Dr. Strange had to be a little bit impish had to be a little bit more grounded, had to be a little bit more realistic because they wanted to get an older audience. They mm-hmm. weren't marketing this toward the 10-year-old. It looks like it was they marketed were, to 40-year-olds. Exactly. They were yeah. trying to get the same crowd of parents that was watching The Incredible Hulk with their kids and enjoying mm-hmm. it more than their kids because they're more sophisticated than a kid entertainment. They were trying to make it for adults because they weren't making that sort of thing for children yet. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't until Ronald Reagan started changing laws and things could be marketed towards kids that you had more, uh, specifically kid driven entertainment. And, and, and Uh, that's uh, the exact moment when our culture started to implode. Really, truly. I'm not even exaggerating. Fast forward to to people our age are now making, you know, five, six feature films based on transformers, uh, not really realizing that that was a commercial. No, that was a toy commercial. (laughs) That was a toy commercial that now sells other products. That's a toy Mm. commercial that now sells Mountain Dew. And, and and cars and cars like actual cars like not like just you buy toy an cars actual car because you we, saw it we, in Transformers we grew up with these Transformers and now they're Fucking still weird. selling it to us and people love it like yeah. they're emotionally attached to these commercials uh, what sort of what sort of shows mm. like what sort of if if Doctor Strange we haven't done this properly in a while this is the original premise of the show yeah. so we talk about if this show lasted a hundred episodes mm. where would it go uh, obviously as a 1970s show it would be a little sort of recursive it would be kind of mm. the same type of show over and over again but mm. what sort of Doctor Strange episodes if the show finally hit a groove Hmm. would you have liked to have seen Uh, 
there's there's a good version of this show. Yeah. It's like with these actors and with that tone and with that level of effects, I think there's a good version to do that uh, with a faster pace, of course. Yes. And, uh, and exploring kind of how this man is growing from episode to episode. Mm-hmm. He learns something. I mean, that's episodic TV. You learn, a, you learn a lesson and yet you're still back to the square one. You're back yeah. to status quo. Yeah, he's, he's a so, man of science who learns about weird stuff every episode. Every episode mm-hmm. he has a little trouble accepting it and every episode mm-hmm. he expands his knowledge. But every once in a while his scientific know-how helps the magic and vice exactly. versa. So, uh, he doesn't, and, so he doesn't abandon science mm-hmm. altogether. That's got to be the show. And and a love interest might change in like a, se- a season finale or something. Yeah, or Clay like goes evil at some point mm-hmm. for a season or something. So yeah. what, what they would do is they just tap into a lot of stories that we know now from cartoon shows, like Clay goes evil, or uh, you know, he's hypnotized and he forgets he's Doctor Strange, or some such thing. Mm-hmm. Or he meets the evil mirror version of himself. You know, these Do- are... Uh, 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 oh, uh, what was on, the Chiwetel Ejiofor character? Yeah, there you go. Uh, from um, from the new movie, Mordo. 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 He means Mordo, yeah, Mordo shows up, but but Mordo's played by Joss Ackland or some recognizable yeah, character. Yeah, like John Aston plays Nightmare. Or something. Oh yeah, there you or, go. <laughs> yeah, Telly Savalas <laughs> plays Despair. But it wouldn't. They, they wouldn't play those villains as sort of broad because they're clearly trying to distance themselves from what uh, Batman had wrought. So yeah, it's not nearly as camp as that. The, we'd have these people as sort of high powered executives or or. Or, you know, cops or homeless people, something that was really kind of part of the the texture of 70s culture. And uh, cheaper to do costume design for. Exactly. Much exactly. Yeah, so so we'd, we'd have these these same characters, but they'd be modernized versions of them. Yeah. And, but even though the stories would be really familiar Saturday morning yeah. cartoon tropes. And I like the idea, again, of him being a psychologist. I wish they'd explored it somewhat <laughs> at, at all in, in this yeah. episode because you're not really selling your premise very well. But the idea of people who can see into other dimensions or can see the future or have seen monsters being treated as insane. And here's this one doctor who knows it's all real. Mm. That's not a bad premise. That's a TV mm. show. That's, yeah, we can do that yeah, now. Yeah. You don't need to be Doctor uh, Strange. It's actually just an interesting show. A shrink who knows yeah. about monsters, yeah. so he treats the people who can kind of give him hints about monsters everyone, who everybody thinks are insane. Everyone in this, in this asylum well, who which, thinks something crazy happened? Real. Which they, like, they've they done in other fantasy shows like X-Files and, yeah, uh, briefly, and the think, many X-Files ripoffs. But like, I think about a whole show, and I don't think, mm-hmm. I don't think it's really been done. Like, I mean, I don't think Kingdom Hospital is quite that. Um, well, Kingdom Hospital is a remake of a Lars von Trier miniseries. I meant the Lars von Trier one, but I, even oh, that's okay. not quite that, you know? Like, yeah, it's, yeah. It's a, they, tr- they did a little, little bit. In American Horror Story Asylum, which was the second series of that, which I did see. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I thought they kind of abandoned that premise too much by Mm -hmm. the end. Um, In any case, uh, Doctor Strange was this version of Doctor Strange. Mm -hmm. Canceled too soon, Whitney. Uh, I I hated watching this. It was was just such a... It's such a bore. Yeah, it was... I, I don't want to say. Watching this I don't want to say that it is bad and it is boring. It is bad because it is boring. And yeah. I think there's a, like I said, there's a version of the show that's good. And maybe had it lasted, we would have seen that. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to say when the footed, the footing would have been established. I, I wonder if this is supposed to be a really tight pilot, and then someone just said, eh, "Add some footage, we'll make it into a movie," and then that's what yeah, killed it because there was so. there, what, they didn't add anything interesting. 
Because I gotta tell you, this this was not canceled too soon. This was canceled exactly when it needed. To be. <laughs> I, I, we don't we don't need more of this no, one. Again, you're right. Same people could have done something good, but this is this needed another draft. Mm. This needed a complete reworking from the ground up. Uh, That's a shame. Now, uh, Stan Lee, mm. uh, who has invented a few comic books. Uh, has gone on record saying that he actually had one of the more positive experiences working on this TV movie mm. uh, compared to the other things that he was working on with TV producers at the time. He thought yeah. Spider-Man was a nightmare. Uh, mm. He he did like what was going on with the Hulk, even though they were changing a lot. Yeah. And, you know, Captain America wasn't really doing it for Captain him. Captain America has n- almost and, nothing to do with Captain America. Those mm. TV movies, which we'll do someday. And there's... Oh, my God, they're awful. Uh, Daredevil and Thor were folded into some of these. But and, that was uh, much later, though. They did, they, oh, did this, oh, they did a series series of Incredible Hulk movies after the Incredible Hulk got canceled. Mm. First one was uh, the Incredible Hulk Returns, in which Incredible Hulk but when, teamed up with when was that? that? That was early 80s, though, it was wasn't early it? 80s, but the, the yeah. show was off the air. Okay. Uh, and that was, he teamed up with Thor. Mm. Thor, in that version, was kind of interesting. Uh, he was... Like, doctor or medical student Donald Blake mm. and instead of turning into Thor he summoned Thor and Th- Thor was like his super powerful frat house roommate who was hanging out with a nerd <laughs> and it was surprisingly endearing right, actually right. it's not bad and then there was uh, the trial of the Incredible Hulk where the Incredible Hulk is framed for or David Banner is framed for murder mm. and he's afraid that he's gonna like get on the witness stand and he'll freak out and turn to the Hulk and a secret will be revealed and his Lawyer is Matt Murdock, the daredevil, mm. uh, and it turns out it's all a plan on the part of the kingpin, who's played by uh, John Reese davies <laughs> Because, was, of course. That was uh, actually pretty cool. And then there was the death of the Incredible Hulk, which is kind of disappointing, and it kind of has the Black Widow in it, but they didn't actually go so far as to call her that, but it's totally the same character. Oh, okay. But, uh, th- yeah, th- those were later. So the, and they're the, only, the, only, I would only super recommend Trial of the Incredible Hulk. That ca- was pretty good. Characters that now everybody knows, thanks to the recent spate of movies, mm-hmm. uh, were kind of around at the time, and it mm-hmm. looks like Stan Lee was trying to bring them into being uh, and as, I, as, as late, as early as 40 years ago. And I buy it, like, in terms of him having an impact on this. Stan Lee is r- revered by the geek community and mm. with some cause he really was uh he at least co-created many mm. of the greatest uh sort of fictional hero characters of the 20th century uh and yet when you boil it down to his writing he's just he's mostly an idea guy he's, he's got cool he's, ideas he's an idea guy and he's, and but he's he, a very broad he paints him with very broad strokes he paints with very broad strokes because he's trying to appeal to kind of like a really excited nine-year-old yeah and he thinks like a really excited nine-year-old <laughs> he totally and, does and, uh, talk to him sometime he's great he's and, like a big kid and when you describe a lot of these characters they sound like something created by a nine-year-old and uh, a clever nine-year-old a, a clever nine no for yeah, sure like they're, they're, they're the high concept Marvel heroes mm. we take him for granted granted now. Yeah. But someone like and Doctor Strange was really clever for superhero mm. stuff. Someone like the Fantastic Four, or and Daredevil, or X Men. And the whole, sort, the whole notion now, of yeah, really the whole sort of like notion of geekery culture and mm-hmm. kind of taking these things and making extrapolating these big dramas out of them was not what Stanley was about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he's pleased as punch that they're being treated the way they are in yeah. movies these days. Well, uh, yeah, a little bit. But, like they, they were combining the characters, they were having them show up incidentally in each mm-hmm. other's comics, which was kind of a rarity before Marvel came around and just said everything just fucking takes place in New. York, the real city. The majority of superheroes took <laughs> place in fictional, fic- cities, in fictional yeah. cities, and if they ever ran into each other, it was a huge event. Mm. And here, it's just like, no, we're all in New York, so like Spider-Man would be just be swinging by in his comic, and you'd see the Fantastic Four in the background doing stuff sometime. <laughs> like, that was it. It was just incidental. So the idea of the shared continuity, you've mentioned before that like Star Trek kind of invented the idea of continuity, that something is going on when we're not watching an episode. Yeah. Uh, and I think Marvel was doing it concurrently on a level mm. that DC wasn't 
yet. I guess I guess that it was ha- it was just sort of floating around in the media, and, yeah. and Star Trek was the first to do it, at least in in filmed entertainment. Uh, yeah, uh, in terms of TV in particular. I, I mean, you, you can go back as far as you know, Honor de Balzac, if you want to talk about interconnected literature. But sure. uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Or uh, or the works of H.P. Lovecraft and uh, mm-hmm. um, Howard, who was Robert E. Howard. Oh, there you go. Like, they, they actually had connective tissue between, like, the Conan stories and the Cthulhu mythos. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah. So, Doctor Strange was uh, an interestingly conceived, but not very interesting uh, attempt so, to, so, to you know, turn I'm that gonna, into a series. I'm going to say no. It wasn't canceled too soon. No, this is, uh, the, we, it, we, this we, is we a novelty. We didn't need more of it. I think it's fine uh, staying sort of a curio, but although thanks to the new movie, this is now available again. Yeah, this was this used to be like, it was released on home video on VHS, so it wasn't mm. like illegal to have it or anything like that, but it was really hard to find for a long time. And then Shout Factory snatched up the rights and they released it, and if you really like the new Doctor Strange or if you're really mm. interested in the old 70s or just want to be a completist, it, it's worth a rental, maybe, but you're going to be kind of bored and playing Angry Birds by about halfway through it. <laughs> uh, so I, I really can't recommend it too highly. Whitney, do we have any letters? We have a few letters. Okay. Um, most of our letters uh, for Cancel Too Soon have been about our sweepstakes. Uh, yes, which, tell people about our sweepstakes. Uh, we uh, have been sort of fighting episode after episode on how to end our show. We don't know what our sort of our, sort of our catchphrase should be. Yeah. So we've said it to you, our dear listeners, uh, to mail in what how we should end the show. And we're going to... Continue to accrue more entries. Uh, we'll decide right, by the end of the month. And we'll decide by the end of the month. And most of our letters have been uh, on that topic. Uh, for uh, the you record, can write in. Uh, yeah. We don't have an email for this show in particular, so you have to use our other email address. For well, the we're, we're just podcast. combining them all because we're connected mm. to each other. So uh, you can write into bmoviespodcast at gmail.com and make your suggestions as how do we, we should ch- sign off the show and also give us letters like this one I'm about yeah. to read. And also, we finally have our own Twitter account. That, oh, that's right. Canceled Too Soon has a Twitter account. Canceled Cast. Canceled with one L. Canceled mm-hmm. Cast. It just started like a day ago. We don't have a lot of followers. Please follow us. It helps. It helps mm-hmm. us like with some legitimacy. We might be able to get some cooler guests on here mm-hmm. um, and uh, might be able to make some some headway into various distributors and uh, get cool stuff in the future. Uh, so, yeah. Canceled Cast. Uh, Twitter. We also have a Facebook page. Facebook.com slash canceled too soon and again we have an email bmoviespodcast at gmail.com what's our first letter Whitney this comes from Terry uh, hi, I've been listening to the B-Movies podcast for a little while and just started into Cancel Too Soon I would have gotten into this sooner but I can't find it on Podbean uh, oh, it's it, not on Podbean. This is on Libsyn. This is a different yeah. entity. Sorry uh, about that. We're we're gonna have to start looking into stuff like Stitcher Radio we gotta and do all, that. All, all of these apps where everybody are getting their podcasts yeah. these days. Um, I'm really digging Cancel Too Soon, and I have a suggestion. Please tell me the master that amazingly fun bad Lee Van Cleef vehicle is on your to do queue. It is, and in fact, it is. Uh, it's been mentioned before. Uh, we have it, and uh, <laughs> that was hard to track down, but we got it, and uh, we are totally gonna do that. We're kind of waiting to find out when they're going to announce the return of Mystery Science Theater 3000 because they did a couple episodes of The Master on MST3K Mm. and we're going to try to do a little bit of synergy Uh, if that goes that debuts much later than January we'll probably won't wait that long but we'll probably do a beginning of next year No, these so called movies that came out later were really just reworked episodes from the series keep it up I love it Terry yeah Uh, yeah. fucking show Lee Van Cleef is a ninja a lot of people know the Mystery Science Theater episodes Master Ninja and Master Ninja 2 
I think it was Master Ninja 1 and Master Ninja 2. Yeah. But the f- first movie, they actually had the one in the title. Yeah, and they just combined episodes from the show and Lisa's movie. Mm-hmm. But unlike a lot of other like TV shows that were repackaged as movies. It mm. wasn't like a big two part episode. They just had two adventures and they just shoved them in yeah, yeah. together. And it's just like, Oh, I, you guys were helping Roger Moore storm a compound and save people from super spies. And now Courtney Cox is in trouble with truckers. What? Mm. What? <laughs> you can't do that. It's terrible. What do we got? Uh, this comes from Dan. Uh, hi fellas. Uh, well done keeping both your shows so neatly on track. You made heroic efforts in your October output, and the result came well up to standards. Well, oh, thank you. So glad to hear it. Uh, I we have worked I, our butts off. I have month. no butt because I worked it off. <laughs> uh, please mail me your butt. Uh, <laughs> oh God, don't do ma- mail oh me God. pieces of your butt because I need oh, more that butt. So meaty. Uh, <laughs> oh I need some butt meat. So squishy, uh, especially with a wedding thrown in there. For mm. uh, for which extra congrats to Mr. Bibbs. Thank you very much. Uh, Mr. William here is married only a couple days now. Uh, a couple weeks. A couple weeks now. Two weeks now. Two weeks. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm really enjoying being married. <laughs> uh, since Whitney astutely gave credit to the late Agnes Moorhead for the original radio play of Sorry Wrong Number, I felt moved to mention what I consider the most underrated performance by, I concur, one of our most underrated performers ever. I speak of Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte, probably my favorite Roger- film by Robert Aldrich. Uh, I've never seen Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte. Mm-hmm. It is very, very good. Tell us about how... He didn't, he didn't describe the movie. Uh, Tell probably us about the movie my favorite is. film, Robert. It's a star-studded parade of lurid intrigue, whatever else it may be, and Ms. Moorhead's Oscar-nominated turn as the canny, cackling housekeeper Velma steals the whole darn show. That's my sermon for today. Go forth and feast in the name of St. Agnes. Best always, Dan F. <laughs> Uh, Whitney, sell me on Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte. What's the uh, movie Hush about? Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte was the follow-up to Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, uh, a film that kind of launched the genre, very short-lived genre of what they call psycho biddies or uh, hag uh, films. Hag film. Which Hollywood is an insulting title, but that's what they uh, called it. There, there was this tendency in that particular era to get faded stars from the 30s and 40s who are now aging out of uh, like ingenue roles. Can't get a good and, role in Hollywood. And anymore. shoving them into these really lurid things thrillers like really soap opera ish and uh uh whatever happened to baby jane was <laughs> betty davis and joan crawford and it's great they because hated they each hated other. each other in real life can, they hated each and other you can tell <laughs> on screen every bit of vitriol is so honest in that movie and hush hush sweet charlotte not quite as lurid it's betty davis uh, olivia and olivia de havilland this time around and oh, cool. they're kind of sniping olivia time, de havilland who turned 101 this year she's still around still alive still kicking. oh my god i love her so much she's such a badass <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah um yeah, it, it's, it, I don't want to describe the story too much because there's just a, a lot of lurid intrigue that I'd rather you just sort of discover on your own. But yeah. uh, Betty Davis plays sort of, uh, you think she's the dominant one, but it turns out Olivia de Havilland is the dominant one and she's mm. been manipulating the whole time. It's it's really, really fun. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else before we move on? Um, uh, this comes from George White. Hi, guys. Love the podcast. I'm George White. Hi, George. Uh, he gives his Twitter handles, Sinful Spectrum and Doctor Who underscore the 1990s on Twitter from <laughs> Ireland. And by the way, we pronounce it Ireland and not Ireland, as you Americans say. We pronounce it with a long American I. Yes, we we, we do. We're we wrong. mispronounce everything in America. In all fairness, you uh, mispronounce everything in Ireland. <laughs> uh, we say aluminum instead of aluminium. Yeah, uh, we say baby carriage instead of perambulator. We're all wrong. Yeah. Uh, 
But it's it's always fun to keep yeah. those things in mind. So thank you. We, it's, we jest. It's we Ireland jest. because right. Americans say Ire as an Ire. Ireland is closer to how we say it. Yes. Fair enough. And we apologize. Uh, We're jerks. I realize there's three series all aired in the 1982-1983 season, each by a different network, all united in theme. Hmm. They all feature Kai Wolf, the American in Three Amigos, uh, and 1980s US TV uh, go to Jerry. Yes, I'm using 50 British war movie slang. Uh, Jerry, German. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I'm having trouble following your slang of the aisles. Just yeah. don't use any cockney rhyming slang and we'll be good. Uh, these series were all canceled due to being expensive to make, all period dramas, something which bar westerns, and are relatively uncommon in U.S. television, and all had foreign settings lavishly recreated in Burbank, though the first two had filming in Hawaii. These are Tales of the Gold Monkey, which may be problematic because it has Stephen Collins in it, but he's an actor... Uh, an actor, not a personality, unlike Cosby, Rolf, Seville, etc. And hey, Star Trek The Motion Picture and Brewster's Millions are shown on UK TV every week. Stephen Collins from Star Trek. He played uh, Deckard in Star Trek The Motion Picture. Uh, yeah, Stephen Collins was also the father in Seventh Heaven, and he mm. also ended up turning out to be, I think he was a pedophile. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's... Which, uh, h- hence the comparison to Cosby. Yeah. And and uh, hence uh, why no one really talks about Seventh Heaven anymore. That was like a major, like... It was a huge hit. It was, it was a huge a hit. It was, like, it, was everyone, it was one of the most respectable, mm. family-oriented dramas on television. If you... Uh, we're mad that too many things on television were like inappropriate for the family. Mm-hmm. Seventh Heaven was there for you, and I saw a couple of them. So it was pretty good. Yeah, and then Stephen Collins turned out to not be a very not, nice person. Yep. Uh, other to sh- put it super fucking mildly. <laughs> other show, Bring Him Back Alive with Bruce Boxleitner. Don't I know don't, that. I don't know Bruce, Bring Him Back Alive. And, I know Bruce Boxleitner. He's a nice guy. And Casablanca the series with David Soul as Rick. And an oh-so-70s-slash-early-80s cast of Hector Alizondo as Renault, ubiquitous Hollywood rent-a-Brit Arthur Mallet as Carl, Ray Liotta as Sasha, Ooh. Sasha the Barman, and Scatman Crothers as Sam. Fun fact, Clyde Kusatsu is in Bring Him Back Alive. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, that's great. He's in everything. He's in everything. He's in everything. He was in Star Trek The Next Generation. We should do a podcast that's dedicated entirely to everything Clyde Kusatsu has ever been <laughs> oh, in. We that's not a bad idea. We couldn't possibly. It's, that's, that's <laughs> like, never that's like 12 solid years of material. Uh, uh, that said, uh, I have Casablanca. I tracked that yeah, one down. Yeah, yeah. But Casablanca is a weirdly often requested. I it's, never. It's been, it's been requested a lot, actually. It's one of our more requested series. shows that isn't like Freaks and Geeks. Yeah. Which we, we hear you on Freaks and Geeks. We like to space those out because if we do all the big ones right away, then the people who only want to hear us do the big ones will leave and they'll never <laughs> hear about Casablanca. And, and, and we're and we're gonna try to lure you in with you know stuff like yeah. like Nightmare but, Cafe. But the Casablanca uh, series, which again lasted like six episodes, never heard of it before I started researching this show. Oh yeah, and like, okay. Yeah. And I found the DVD. It was very reasonable, so I picked it up. I haven't seen it yet. I don't know if it's any good. Yeah. Uh, but then once we got requests. We got a lot of requests for that. For Casablanca, we're totally the series. Gonna do that. Again, we're, we've got our schedule for the through the end of the year, but we'll totally do Casablanca mm. early next year. Mm. Yeah, uh, it tried to ca- capitalize on Casablanca mania, but on Raiders fever, even dressing the soul man in a leather jacket and a fedora, they'd be in- interesting to do together as they have various similarities and ideas. Casting as the tiny well of quote foreign British colonial type character actors of the seventies and early eighties Hollywood. And the ways they tried to keep up with the Jones and odd choices, such as B-E-B-A's, uh, uh, did it, uh, B-E-B-A's? B-E-B-A? Uh, B-E-B- uh, the, the, the title of the show. Oh, bring uh, him back bring, alive. Bring M back alive. Got it. Uh, casting of Ron Superfly O'Neill as a Malayan 
as was Sultan, and indeed young Boxleitner playing Frank Buck, who at the time of the series' chronological setting was no younger than the young Hunter Boxleitner plays him at plays him as, but as an aging zoo, God, this wording on this one, but yeah, as an aging zookeeper slash showbiz it's like, personality. It's 1 a.m., cut yeah. out some slack. And TOTGM's not very Japanese, Princess Koji. Uh, there's lots of talk about, but I feel the series, the series, three series complement each other. Yours, George White. Uh, we'll keep uh, an eye out for the other two, but again, we have Casablanca. We'll get to it sooner than later. Mm. Anything else? Uh, most of these are just, uh, sweepstakes enter- okay, entries. Okay, well, that's fine. We encourage mm-hmm. you sweepstakes entries. And again, the winner of the sweepstakes, which I don't think you specified, uh, will mm-hmm. get to pick a future episode of Cancel mm-hmm. Too Soon. Uh, all we ask mm-hmm. is that it follows our rules. It mm-hmm. lasted one season or less. So Firefly doesn't count. It had a movie. It had a second shot. Mm. Uh, And the other thing is we have to be able to find it somehow. We have a lot of resources, (laughs) but if we literally cannot find it in a reasonable amount of time, we may ask you for your second pick. Mm. Uh, But uh, keep them coming. We have a lot of good ones. Um, Nothing that's like a clear winner yet. But I think we both have been we've been well, reading there, them. There's and been a few a few good ones, a few good ones that are real contenders, but mm. nothing that's like this contest is over. <laughs> so keep them coming. Uh, we're not even and honestly, multiples are fine. A lot of people mm. are sending in like three ideas. If you come up with another one and we haven't picked a winner yet, send it on down. Uh, the one thing I will say is we've had a couple of, of people suggest the same thing. Mm. If we pick something that multiple people suggested, the first person who sent it in gets it. Yeah, they they beat everybody else. That's to the, the rule. You got it. That's that's mm. the only way. That's fair. Mm. Only way to do it. Uh, we'll give the other person a shout out though, if that's the case. Absolutely. Fair mm. enough. A person or people, as the case may be. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, that's it. That's it for cancel too soon. Uh, again, you can follow us on Twitter at canceledcast. We're on facebook.com slash canceled too soon. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. You can hear our uh, movie reviews every week on the B-Movies podcast. Uh, this week, we're reviewing Arrival and L. And if you stay tuned and subscribe and hear us in the middle of next week, we have like an hour-long interview with Eric Heiserer, the writer of Arrival. We'll talk all about spoilers on that movie, which has like a bunch of cool plot stuff that everyone's trying to avoid revealing. <laughs> so if you saw the movie and you have questions, that's a great podcast to listen to. I but, highly recommend But for, for going to say, A, just see the movie. And, really good movie. And, and B, yeah, see the movie before you listen to that. Uh, and uh, next week we will be back uh, with a review of Guilt, a recently canceled uh, TV show on Freeform that was a murder mystery set in England. It was trying to be uh, sort of like a lurid scandal kind of thing. Uh, yeah, a lot, yeah. lot of like interconnected hyperlink sort of stories that something ev- like that? eventually interconnect, but they don't seem have you, to. Have you started first. watching it? Started watching it. Oh, already, okay, cool. Because yeah, okay. I, haven't, I haven't actually started. Oh, yet. Well, I'm right. way behind. Uh, but it's like ten episodes, and it's on Hulu, so you can follow along uh, with it if you want. And we're going to review the hell out of that mm. next week. And until next week, mm-hmm. Whitney. Bong. Bong. A Mark 7 production.